Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukinenko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service? Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. Well, on this podcast, I get to talk to a lot of people about their beer journeys. Some are short and sweet, basically going from the shed at home to the local brewery, and others are a little bit more complicated, often involving juggling real jobs and family commitments while learning their craft. Some learn in the shed, others with the local brew club, or others seek out a mentor. Some even go overseas to find their passion. Tonight's guest has certainly done the latter. From Victoria to the UK, the Netherlands, and back to Taralgon in the Gippsland region, covering a lot of miles chasing the dream of becoming a brewer. It worked though, and he's going to share his story with us tonight. So he had two hours east of Melbourne for this chat. And welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, Goodland Brewing's co-founder, Jimmy Crackleberg. Hey, Chris. How are you going? Good, mate. How do I go with pronouncing your surname? Yeah, good. Crackleberg. Yeah, pretty sort of easy. Yeah, it works. Yeah. It works. It's uh, You want to see all my school uh, my school trophies. They're all um, I don't uh, sporting trophies. I don't think I've got one that's spelt right. It's always got an extra A or a C <laughs> or an extra K or something in it. Uh, yeah. Mate, fr- uh, from a bloke with a, also a strange last name, Lukinenko, I completely <laughs> can relate to you. Uh, what nationality is that? Uh, Dutch. Dutch. Dutch, yeah. Oh, there yeah. you go. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that part of your life a little bit further on into the chat. But um, yeah. I just want to say before I get into this one, I'm going to take my hat off to you um, for this. From what the, the little that I do know about your beer journey, and I'm looking forward to finding out more tonight, I've got to say, it feels like you've certainly put the bloody work in uh, to get where you are today. Is that, a, is that a fair way to describe the last 10 or so years? Yeah, it is a fair way. It's been um, it's been a lot of definitely a lot of time, um, almost somewhat planned out ish, but not really. Um, it's always <laughs> <laughs> it's always been like there was always a sense of direction. It was just finding where it, where it sort of went, and then and then plan it in from there, I suppose. But you know, sometimes things always take longer than expected as well. But there's always a reason yeah. for it, so yeah. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. Like a fucking pandemic or something. Yeah, that could be something to do with it. <laughs> yeah, they help too. Definitely, they help. <laughs> yeah, where where did the love of beer come from? Was was the the old man? Um, perhaps if the the Dutch heritage came into it, maybe he was a home brewer or something like that. Or yeah, you know what he he, he used to. I remember as a kid, um, out in the shed, he had uh, like an old tea chest. Um, and it had like a yep. had a light bulb in it. Had the old light bulb. Um, that ah. was the heat source. Yeah. So it had. Yep. Might, yep. I might even had two, but I remember. Yeah. Once in a. I remember a couple of times him having a couple of guys over, and they'd be drinking these beers out in the shed and making making beer, and it'd just be literally the kettle pouring in the you know the syrup. Yep. But um, that syrup smell. For some reason, it always triggers that Sticks memory, which is weird. But oh, I reckon I was yeah. only. You know, probably five or six. Um, yeah, yeah, that was that was many moons ago. But that obviously, I was only five or six. That's not what triggered 
the the beer. No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I have similar memories of my old man. I, I remember having to um, measure out the sugar into the bottles for my dad back in the day um, when he used to make this awful Cooper's Cooper's Pale Lager or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. I yeah. don't think he ever cottoned on quite to the uh, – to the whole idea of the temperature control and that sort of thing because he never had a light bulb and I can't remember him. I don't think back in, so this is like in the 80s, I don't think they would have had the heat belts and stuff and he basically had these old um, old black, like, um, you know, like you get the clear plastic sort of um, yeah. or whatever you call the things these yeah, days. Yeah, okay. Yep. These black ones. So you couldn't even see into it. it was, I think it was, my, it was my Ukrainian grandfather used to make bloody sliver bits in them. I reckon that's what that was. So these were, you know, might have had plums and all that sort of stuff into it, making wine or, or the spirit, and he just used those and somehow he made a beer. And from, from my early memories, they were pretty fucking ordinary. How about your dad's? <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I was way too young, way too young. Way too young. Yeah, so. Did you, have you ever found any of his old old brews under the house or something uh, like that? No, we've moved a few houses since then, so. Nah, nah, haven't haven't been able to find any. I'm sure they they wouldn't be doing any well though. That's for sure. Nah, nah. I've got a mate in Melbourne. He's uh, this mate of mine. His mate, uh, his dad used to brew um, beers, and he found like a 40 year old, I think, homebrew and cracked it and <laughs> just drank it. It was just freaking putrid. Oh, it would have been vinegar in a bottle, nearly. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, so I suppose going back. I, when I left school, I moved to Wodonga uh, to study actually a motorsports course. So it was a um, diploma in mechanical engineering slash motorsports. And that was something that um, back then that I really sort of wanted to get into. It was not many people were doing it. And uh, it was this new course that had just started up. So I was 17 when I finished year 12, moved up to Wodonga to study up there and um, I think, you know, once I first turned 18 up there, it was we did drink beer but it was find the cheapest beer you could possibly find, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> you'd, 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 um, yeah, you'd end up at BWS or wherever and you'd be, yeah, whatever was on special, that's what you brought home. But, I mean, we were 18 back then so it was a different story. But yeah. Um, I still do remember like we would – and it's always funny when you look back and for some reason we never made our own beer and I don't know why we never did back then because it would have been even so much cheaper again, but maybe we just didn't care or just didn't look that far. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, I remember back then like that was around 2003 and uh, the uh, – what is it? The James Squires range – I'm not sure what year that came out, but I remember going into the shops and seeing that there and you could buy like a, a mixed six-pack back then and they had like porter and the yeah, IPA yeah. and an amber ale and, you know, a few, a pale ale and a few other things. But I remember we got that once just because it was a bit different, I suppose, and um, we, we sat down, tried them, and then on this course there was a lot of people from all around Australia and one of my other good mates now, um, he's from Adelaide, so – Coopers, that was all they drank. And when he, I'd never drank Coopers before back then. And when he came over, that was all they drank. So that was sort of the introduction to the Coopers Pale Ale and the Coopers Sparkling and stuff like that. You know, you go to the pub and they roll the bottle. And but when you were when you were young, it was all like, wow, this is so cool. And then, um, yeah, so that was sort of that small part of it. And then I, um, I finished the the course there, and I ended up working for a V8 supercar team in Albury. 
Really? Uh, yeah, Brad Jones Racing. So I was <laughs> uh, CNC machinist there. So made yep. parts for the car. But then, yep. um, so, and then at race meets, I was part of the pit crew. It was left rear. It was always left rear for two yeah, years shit. there. Yeah. So does and, that basically uh, mean you're in charge of the rattler gun for the left back tyre? Yep, that was me. Yep. That was me. <laughs> so, yeah, did uh, all around Australia, did a little, went to China, went to New Zealand. Um, yeah, shit. so did a, did a bit of travelling with them as well, got to see a bit. And that was like, yeah, it was a great experience. Loved it. Uh, worked big hours. Uh, it was a yeah, really, really, really good job, really fun job and rewarding as well because it was, you know, you went from, you'd see, we had all our own in-house engineers, we had our in-house um, mechanics, everything we'd done ourselves from the painting of the cars to the stickers to the- That's unreal. To the engine, to the fabricating, we built yeah, every single little part was nearly built in-house. Um, That's so cool. You, were you, you travelling around with the Miso at the time, or were you a solo man? Nah, solo man back then. Oh. Solo man, and um, yeah, so it was at the time, I suppose, as well. And you, you spent sometimes, like if what was the race meet? I think it was. We went from uh, we had the race meet in Melbourne, and we'd go to Adelaide, and it literally. That we'd go back to Albury straight after the race meet, or it might have been the other way around. I think it was. Anyway, you'd go straight back after on the Sunday night. Depends on how smashed up the car was. You went back to the workshop, pulled the cars out of the truck, and you'd spend seventy-two hours getting them back together. Then the cars would go back in the truck, go to the race meet. You'd sleep for a day, get on a plane, go to the racetrack, and the race days were huge hours too. You know, you'd be there at five o'clock in the morning to get the cars ready. And then again, if the cars got smashed up during the day, you were there quite quite late at night to get everything fixed and sorted, and what the engineers wanted changed and everything. But it was quite rewarding in the fact that you get you got to see what you built, designed, tested, prototype, then to go on a race car and actually get used. It was yeah, it was actually quite a really. That's unreal. Doesn't yeah. sound like the uh, the perfect job for a family man though. No, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> um, although there, there are a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of people in there that were, and it was, um, yeah. But anyway, so then I moved back home, and um, uh, which is Trelgan. So I moved back Trelgan, which is in Gippsland, about two hours east of Melbourne, and uh, got a job in the sort of power station industry down here. So and you've got to, you've got to move back. Was was there any point at this time that you were thinking that beer could be a, a career for you? Nah, not at all. That was really? and what, so two, how old were you then? Two thousand and uh, two thousand and six or two thousand and seven. I would have been okay. 25, 26. That's so twenty five. Yeah. Where where did the the that thought in the back of your head spring up and say, oh? I think I'm going to bloody become a brewer and dedicate the next 10 years of my life to chasing that dream. Where, where did they come from? Well, me and a few mates, we went to Canada in, I think, 2008. Ah. Uh, went on a bit of a snowboarding trip over there, and um, we like, were going to a lot of bars and that sort of thing, but you go into <laughs> a pub or a bar over there, and you'd, like there was actually a choice of beers and beers that – especially being from regional Victoria and it was 2008-ish, just that you don't normally see on tap anywhere. Yeah. Um, so yep. you go in somewhere and they'd have 12 different beers from IPAs to Belgian wit to um, imported beers, 
local brewery beers, all that sort of thing. And that was yeah. just it was it was like a bit of a foreign concept. But uh, mm. once we started drinking the beers, it became a little bit of a um, infatuation. You know, you wanted to <laughs> keep trying more and and this sort of thing. So when Some I got- might say it was a little bit intoxicating, perhaps. <laughs> So, yeah, when I got back, it was one of those things where started to get into it a lot more, started buying like the Beer and Brewer magazine back then. And I remember there was only like yeah. 80 breweries or something or 90 breweries in Australia. So you could keep it, you could actually keep a track on what breweries were coming out and what, you know, there'd be two new beer releases every month type of thing that you could <laughs> get at a bottle yep. shop in Melbourne that you went up, you know, once once every couple of months to and, and you could actually keep a track on what was coming out, what was the new thing and and um, that was, yeah, it was, I just loved it I suppose and I got a, a home brew kit for Christmas uh, yeah, 2008, I think it was, 2009, and that was when it first started dabbling in home brewing, and that was just yeah. literally Cooper's, the old Cooper's bucket, yep. um, the syrup, boiling water, and off you went. But yeah, yeah, yeah so, by the bug, <laughs> exactly. Sorry to interrupt. Just a couple of things you can do if you want to help spread this craft beer gospel. First up, Apple Podcasts. If you've got it on your phone, find the beer here interviews. Scroll all the way down to the bottom, rate, review, subscribe. That's the best thing you can do to help me out. Other than that, whatever podcast player you listen to this on, follow me or subscribe to me on that one. And then also find me on Instagram and follow me there. Thanks for your help. From that point, it's actually a pretty big leap to, you know, going to where you went next, which is overseas, to chase your dream. Where, again, where from that first Cooper's kit to, you're rocking up in Europe. What the hell happened to make you? Like it's, it's to me. I I don't quite understand the passion. I like I, I admire the passion, but I've never had that drive in me to say like, I'm I'm going all in on this thing. I've made a few homebrews, and this is going to be my career. How did that happen? I, I need to understand. I I don't think there was actually an exact defining moment. It just I don't know. It just happened. I remember. One of the brews I did um, used to keep, you know, you get all your mates and that to keep the keep the bottles for you, and you'd have to yeah, wash them yeah. and sterilize and do all that. I kept uh, a case or a six pack worth of Little Creatures Pale Ale. Kept the caps, took caps off really carefully, and um, looked up like a Little Creatures Pale Ale clone recipe, but it was like using a little bit of grain and mm. still the the extract, and bottled brewed this beer, bottled it all, and uh, one night went round to a mate's and we're all sitting around there drinking and pulled this six pack out. You had this before? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I've had that. Yeah, it's bloody good drop, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, hand a few bottles around and we're sitting around drinking and, um, you know, get through that bottle and hand him the second one. Do you like that? Yeah, yeah, no, I love little creatures. Good beer. And I was like, well, I brewed that one. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, 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 I've had that before, you know. And it was like, and it was sort of, it was that moment where you, you sort of, you saw the enjoyment that it gave someone yes. and yep. also the rewarding of I actually made that and someone enjoyed it. Um, I think it was probably more, that was one of the moments where it was like, I want to do this. This is cool. Um, yeah, I reckon it's, it's, it is such a pleasing thing when you've made a beer and someone says to you, I'd pay money for that or I really enjoyed that or that's really good and you haven't prompted them or anything like that or, you know, they might have rung you out of the blue if you've handed out a few bottles to your dad or something like that. 
the the sense of pride in that you've it's like oh, I made that thing with my own two hands kind of thing. That is that is unbelievable. I, I've actually had that. I have made a couple of good beers, but just the oh, just the bursting with pride. It's just unreal. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's um, it, and it makes you sort of want more as well. Yeah, I suppose. And yeah, from that moment in, it was started to research. Um, you know, sit on the internet, buy books, go into home brew shops, go into breweries, uh, and then I actually started buying um, after a visit to uh, where did I visit? I think um, Moondog. Oh, yeah. they first opened, 2010-ish or something, yep. 11. And, um, you know, geez, these guys have just built a brewery out of old dairy tanks. There's heaps of those back home. <laughs> yeah. so I actually started oh. buying dairy tanks. And then, um, okay, uh, yeah, so I sort of started with a bit of collection of those. And then after I sort of, the more and more I researched it, um, it was – I needed to have that commercial experience. Well, I, I would have preferred to get that experience before diving in and doing it myself. Fair enough. So yeah. I suppose that's that. where had that opportunity come up to, to move over to Scotland and um, under the two-year, was a, what was it, two-year youth mobility visa. So if ah, you're under 31, right. you get two yep. years. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I yeah, cool. over there using that one. And um, Was there no options for you to do it? More likely, because that seems like a pretty extreme thing to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, I suppose, it was that element of travel as well. So it was sort yep. of get at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doing the traveling thing plus, well, why not do something new and and start off fresh again? I suppose. And and okay. I was yeah enjoying the brewing and and really getting into it. So the first thing I did was look into what breweries were over in Scotland at the time. And then found every single one's email address and emailed every <laughs> single one. <laughs> wow, <laughs> until, that's awesome! Until I got a couple of replies, <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah, that worked. That worked. I, wow! Yeah, so, and what someone and, just said, "Yep, yeah, we're going to give this bloke from outback Victoria a crack." Well, it was actually funny. I had a, I did have an interview with uh, Brewdog at the time. They just uh-huh. moved to their new facility in Allen. And yeah. they're actually looking for a uh, a maintenance manager because uh, because they'd just gone to this uh, bigger site. They didn't have anyone at all, and that sort of things was starting to get neglected and whatnot. And I had a phone interview with them and uh, pretty much got the job there. But it was there was no real option on learning to brew and and that side uh, of it. Yep. It was literally yep. just um, you were going to start the maintenance manager position and develop all the maintenance um, protocols and, and whatnot because they literally had nothing. But, yep. um, and it's all the way up in Aberdeen. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. I was like, oh, do I want to do that? I don't know. And then um, I had uh, another brewery in Edinburgh, the owner there, Steve Stewart, he emailed me uh, and said, yeah, we're actually looking for someone. Uh, we've got cool. this, that, and that happening. And I thought, oh, yeah, well, this sounds a bit – Edinburgh sounds – Sounds all right, and yeah, you'd you'd heard of that a bit more probably than <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a you know, sort of a little bit more to do there, and and yeah. there was the you know he was sort of like this is what we're doing. We're building a new brewery, um, the old one we're going to be out of in in six months. Um, if you can help me move it, I'll teach you how to brew. Perfect. And yeah, and I was like, all right. I wrote back and said, yeah, that sounds good. Do you want to have an interview or like 
do you want to have a chat before I come over? And he, he just said, no, I'll see you when you get here. How awesome is that? Yeah, it was really cool, but also quite nerve-wracking too because you're going yeah. all the way over to the other side of the world and what if I get there and he, and he doesn't want me to, to work yeah. there? So, yeah, no, Were you still that, single at this time? Um, no, nah, I was in a in a different relationship then. Um, yep. Yeah, so yeah, sort of travelled over there at the time. Um, but yeah, that that role once I got in there was um, it was great. Absolutely loved it. We we brewed on a small, uh, well, it wasn't small. It was about twenty five hectolitre. Again, made from dairy tanks, brew house, uh-huh. um, open square fermenters with a couple oh, cool. of closed fermenters. Um, tiny, tiny little shed in industrial estate, and the place pretty much ran twenty four hours a day. It was um, they were producing. A lot, a lot, a lot of beer out of a tiny, tiny space. And, and what sort of beer were they producing? Was that sort of what, you know, when I think of sort of the English old, you know, earlier craft beers, the hand-pumped ales and things like that, is that kind of stuff that you were making or was it more of what we think of as modern craft with maybe that sort of American influence? It was uh, majority the the older English, like yep. Scottish style of beer. Um so yeah, predominantly hand pump, predominantly cask ale. Ah, uh, yeah, cask ale. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was it was predominantly cask. Probably sixty to seventy percent of what went out was cask. Then yep. I would have said when I first got there it would have been maybe two percent keg and fifteen percent bottle ish around there some somewhere. Um, and by the time we went to the new place, uh, bought a heap more new fermenters. We bought installed a 50 heck Bavarian brew house and yeah sort of production ramped up a hell of a lot and that was when you know we the 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 head brewer at the time we started playing around with a bit more new world sort of styles and that sort of thing you know that was where the heavier American influence stuff started coming through and you know you had your brew dog and they were they were doing very well with that side of things over there as well at the time so yeah, started doing a lot more kegs and a lot more hops and and playing around. And it was quite – it was a good work team over there too because they have um, the Harriet Watt University, which is quite a prestigious university for brewing and distilling over there. And a lot of the students come through as well. So for, for myself, it was, it was great because you always had that, you know, guys that were doing their masters in brewing or distilling – so you always had there was always a wealth of information. There was always lecturers coming in to check on the students. So you always had that oh, wow. opportunity cool. to be able to talk to people and yeah, they used yeah, to do nice. a, lot of, a lot of student programs as well. So they had like a program called Natural Selection where they'd pick four students and they'd each have a different role and have to develop and release a release a beer and be able to sell it and brew it and oh, all that's that awesome. sort of things. And sounds like a nice real melting pot of Older, older craft skills, newer craft skills, lots of other people sort of helping you, you know, hone hone those skills too. It sounds, I'm not going to say perfect, but Jesus Christ, pretty close. Yeah, no, nah, it was, I learned a lot. And and the other good thing was too, we were going into a brewery that was expanding. So, um, yeah. and it was my role to sort of, the first sort of year I was there was more, um, so, I did a lot of brewing on the old brew house just to see, to, to work out, you know, they taught me a lot on that to work out how that worked and how we were going to use it in the, and utilize it in the, in the new facility. <clears throat> but then 
also heavy with the installation of the new the new brewery, you know, from everything from um, nitrogen generation, CO2 tanks, to milling, to grain silos. Jesus, to, you've, um, you've, you know, the you've whole- had everything all <laughs> like, like a one-stop shop. Um, regular <laughs> listeners of the show would probably refer to this as being kissed on the cock by a fairy, I'm going to say. Christ, what a, what a great opportunity. Yeah, so it, it was it was really good. And, and the travel as well, you know, we still yeah. travel. The boss took me over to... Uh, drink tech in Munich in oh, yeah. 2013. We're over there. It just happens to be Oktoberfest, the same time the drink tech's <laughs> on. So, um, Happy days. But, but yeah, so I got to, got to do a bit of traveling and check out other stuff. And, you know, it was always awesome. in the back of my mind, I was always developing my brewery as well, I suppose. There was always, yep. all right. Yeah. So, you know, when I get to mine, am I going to do this? Or I can use a little bit of this and do that. Yeah. So, there's always awesome. always that, you know. You're yeah, yeah. Doing, so. How long were you there for? Uh, two years. So the visa. Oh, the, the visa, visa, of course, yeah. Yeah, the visa expired and then we went up and down and round and round to work out how to um, uh, just to try and get me to, to be able to stay there. Um, yep. I just really wanted me to stay. I wanted to stay. Um, and, yeah, we did everything that we could, um, including – me again, looking up every MP <laughs> email address in all of Scotland and England, and then emailing them and saying, "Why can't I stay?" And yep. I actually got an email response from Boris Johnson back then when he was only. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah so, um, but uh, um, yeah, so that that didn't end up eventuating. That was <clears throat> that was a long time um, trying to get back, but yeah, it just didn't eventuate. So, so you were out on your ass. was out of my ass. So yeah, come home, um, started to have a look, right. I'm, well, I'm home now. What am I going to do? Started to have a look at the options again at, you know, start that. And that was when it was starting to get a little bit more serious, going to talk yeah. to the council and, and work on what they required, where I could oh, go. Oh, so even so, well, this is 2013, 14, and even then you were thinking about uh, this is the, yeah, 2015. I was back. Yep. Yeah. And you were thinking of plans for the brewery back then. Yeah. So that was yeah. that was the first conversation with the council back then, and um, yeah, and then it sort of I started getting itchy feet again. Wanted to, to, to <laughs> do a bit more travel, and and um, I was also looking at when, when I did get back from Edinburgh, I was looking at. Well, if this visa fails, where else um, can I go yep. from 31? And yep. the Netherlands was – I've got family over there, so it was oh. um, one of those things that, you know, if I can go there and, and find a job. Um, Did you have a, a visa through your family that, or a, a passport or whatever? Were you able nah, to get that? No, nah, it was too, do that. Too, too far away. Yeah, it needs to be – for the Netherlands, it's pretty much um, your parents need to still hold uh, citizenship oh. for us. Yeah. That, right. that was at the time when I was looking anyway. So Yeah, made, made I, I tried to get mine through my Ukrainian heritage back in the day when I was like 19 or 20, and I then found out that my father was actually um, born – he was born in a West German prisoner of war camp on during World War II on the way yeah, out right. here from the yeah. Ukraine. So okay. he was actually a, a West German citizen back yeah, okay. then. So go. I've then gone back through him, and they were like – they were basically, nah, fuck off. <laughs> Don't yeah. even bother us with this. Because I had these dreams of, you know, living in, in Europe on a dual passport sort of thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're all buggers. Good. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, they don't oh, make so it you, easy, you that's a, for sure. No, nah. oh, unless, unless you're bloody English and you can be like six <laughs> generations withdrawn and you still get one. That sucks. Half the countries in the world with that thing. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Nah. Christ. So, okay, so you're over to yeah. Netherlands. Yeah. How so did you over, get the job there? 
the same way I got the job in the other place. Same again. <laughs> you are a determined little bastard, aren't you? Uh, um, not, I, did, I didn't email as many this time, but, yeah, sort of <laughs> picked out a few and, and um, just, it just again, it just all lined up. And Did you send one to Heineken? No, I didn't. Didn't? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> um, Was, would, what, what would you have thought, like, of Heineken at the time? Like, because in my head, yeah, okay, massive brewer, you know, Huge commercial thing, but I've also been thinking maybe there's an element of that brewery and what the technology that I've got there that I didn't learn back in um, at Stewart's in Edinburgh because they were a smaller thing. Maybe there's another way to, you know, learn things like I don't know that being in the lab and things like that, or you're sort of thinking, well, maybe it's, that's a waste of time when you're a small brewery anyway. I don't, I don't know what, or did you just think big brewery? No, yeah, nah. Look, it was. I suppose on a big brewery, um, uh, like at, at a big brewery, I hundred percent appreciate what they do, and and like I'm like because of the engineering um, influence, it's it's you know you look at it and just marvel. You walk into a big brewery and just go, wow, yeah. you know, wow, look at this, and and just how they can yep. do what they do with the you know. But again, it comes down to what I was sort of chasing and what my yep. sort of end goal and dream and plan and all that side of things was and the big the big guys just it's a different game altogether compared to yeah. what we're doing you know that you know that they brew in four hours what takes me a year at the moment type of thing you know <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> luckily it's just like it's just yeah insane how much um liquid comes out of that place and yeah, it's it's a, it's just a different game, I suppose. And there are a lot of elements that come, um, you know, f- from what they do back into into what we do. You know, it's similar to sort of the V8 supercars. You know, what we were developing was showing up in cars, you know, five ten years later. And I think it's sort of similar as well. You know, yeah, what okay. the big guys do and develop down from um, cultivating yeast to the lab to bottling lines, canning lines, um, CO2 scavenging, uh, you know, efficiencies in, in power usage and all that sort of thing, it all eventually filters down to the little guy as well. But just for me at the time, it was more, um, you know, wanted the excitement, I suppose, and and of working in a small brewery, producing different beers every day and playing around with hops and different malts and having that flexibility on a, on a smaller brew house and smaller yeah. team. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. So what was what was the, the Netherlands brewery's name and was it focused on brewing lagers over there still or, or was it, again, a, a new world one that was dabbling in the American-style craft beer? No, uh, so ended up at uh, De Molen, which is yep. about – an hour out of uh, Amsterdam. Um, at the time that I was there, again, installing a brand-new brew house, installing new tanks, brand-new Crohn's bottling line. Um, so, really? Yeah. Again, kissed yeah. on the cock by a fairy, two for two. <laughs> you so, get to see basically what you're going to do in another five years' time at your own exactly, brewery. My God. Exactly, exactly. Jesus. So, no, it, it worked out really well. We were installing a – we were gone from a two-and-a-half Half thousand liter brew house up to fifty thousand liter brew house, um, and again I had, like I designed a hydrator for that system that we built there, and and um, yeah, so I had a bit also of also relied on your engineering skills. Beautiful, yeah. So which was yeah. good, um, 
because, yeah, it had a bit of influence on, on what happened there on a few little bits and pieces. But I, I got the job there as they had at the time around 650-odd uh, barrels. They're very well known for their barrel age um, program um, that they had. And they had around, yeah, around 650 at the time and they needed someone to manage what was there because it was just not um, – there was so so much of it, it just wasn't all getting looked after. And so – they yeah sort of did a reference check with the other brewery in Scotland, and he was like, "Yep, you need to get him." And yeah, <laughs> nice. so they rang me up and said, "Oh, when are you starting?" So yeah, so that was that was the job there as barrel manager. And then the day that I turned up there, the um, the head brewer quit, so oh, he oh, well moved on to another brewery. And yeah, so, oh, well, just better take you on as our head brewer now. Then oh, who so, likes a chair? So Jesus. there was yeah, a few few brewers roles sort of moved around and stuff, and then yeah, ended up as as a brewer at at the Molen there. Yeah. And then the next day, I won the fucking lottery. <laughs> Man, Not yet. That, Not yet. nah, it was, it was still yeah, it was still um, <clears throat> yeah, it took a bit of work. You make your those. own luck, I reckon. You make <laughs> your own luck. You you have absolutely you know taken a chance on yourself with this thing. So fucking good on you. That's great. Yeah. Cheers. No, it it, it was good. And and that was again like um, the experience working there. Like again, we did a lot of travelling, going to work at. We did a lot of collabs at other breweries oh, nice. around Europe. Um, we had a lot of other breweries come to do collabs with us. Uh, we were always always working on recipe development, um, uh, changing up. You know how we were doing, how we were processing it, processing everything because we went from having. Um, uh, what do we have? Ten thousand liter tanks up to thirty thousand liters. Like it just sort of everything got bigger and better and faster. So the whole art of scaling a recipe probably came into it and things like that. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that that come into play, and then it was just you work out all the little ironing niggles. You know, there was only four of us. If there was three brewers when I first got there, and we put a fourth on, so there's only four of us brewers there. Um, so it was it was still quite full on. We we're doing doing big shifts there just to get everything working the way it should. Um, and then we all sort of took the role on as just because there end up a few more of us to look after the barrels. And the boss there, the original owner who started at Menno, he had a huge influence. Um, like he was he was the man with barrels. He, um, so I learned a lot from him too on um, blending and ageing and time and, and, and recipes and what should sort of work and, you know, we still sort of chat every now and then as well about um, what what we're doing over here. So, so was that more of a farmhouse style brewery? No, nah, not farmhouse. It was, um, but playing with uh, those yeah, spontaneous fruits and stuff. Yeah, it was all um, predominantly like um, barley wines and imperial stouts. Ah, so, right. Yeah, not we did a little bit of sour stuff. So we had a separate barrel room for that, but there was probably only. Oh, there might have been forty odd barrels of um, of the sour stuff, and generally that was um, imperial stouts that we would then inoculate with some bread or some yep. bacteria and play around with a few different things, the barley wines and and ice box and yeah. So ice box, that. did ice you box. really? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. We did a few oh. ice box over there. Oh, yeah. I've I've only had one, maybe two, I think, in my entire life. Yeah. They are a Bloody crazy beer. They are a good sipper. 
good skipper. That's <laughs> a good skipper, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't go too um too fast on those things. No, wow. No. So, yeah. so overall, the experience overseas has given you a really well-rounded, um, you know, set of skills, I suppose, to to come back here. Did you did you get to the point when you're in Netherlands that you've been there for however long it was that you said, "All right, I know enough now. Time to go home and actually get serious." Um, well, I was there again, just on the, the the visa that you could get there at the time was twelve months. So, oh, was that a lo- oh right, yeah, so twelve months it was. So it was sort of again, it was one of those things where we looked into how I could stay, and they looked into how I could stay and all that. But it just it was yeah, just too hard and just didn't work out. So um, bugger, yeah, bugger, all right. But no, that was <laughs> um, come home and and uh, yeah, sort of. Dove into it from there. Started. Uh, we applied for our permit in 2018, and okay, um, so you were straight back into the brewery. You didn't like come home and work at another brewery or anything like that for a while. It's just like no, nah, no. Nah, I actually do. went back to working out at the um, like the power stations and stuff oh, like yeah? around yeah. here. Yeah, so uh, make a bit of cash into, up. Yeah, went back into the old job there, and and um, yeah, so did that for sort of on off for. For the two years, and then as the waited for the, the permits and stuff to happen, that took a lot longer than than expected, and there was a lot of hurdles to sort of get through with that. But again, it's just how good are councils? Eh? Oh, they, they're just <laughs> yeah. I've got lots of words for them, but um, <laughs> nah, they they were really really hard to deal with when I first started. Um, there's no brewery in the in the council at the time. There never has been a brewery. Um, I was, when I was looking today, there wasn't a lot of stuff sort of in your immediate, you know, radius at all, really. Just nah. sort of in the next towns outside of, isn't it? Yeah, like literally nothing. So they they, they yeah. had nothing to go off of and um, it was right. really hard just to to get through to, you know, this is what we're trying to do and, you know, to doing – we did reports on other breweries and did presentations on look at this brewery and look what they've done and – this, this is what we're looking for. This is what we're going to do. And, um, yeah, it took a lot. And then there was all the other hurdles. There's the water and there's the EPA and, um, yeah. Well, there's- I mean, you had all those drums of that. Luckily for you, you know, being able to pick a name and get it through the trademark process was, was a piece of piss for you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us you about, about that, that one, mate. Did you? <laughs> Oh, yeah. This sounds like an absolute life. nightmare. We talked yeah, about we, you being having all the luck before. It feels like this is the absolute reverse. Yeah, it ran out then. No, we, um, yeah, we'd come up with a name um, and started developing you know, labels and brand concept. Um, got a heap of merchandise made. Oh, no. Started working on the website, got like all the social, um, all the social things and everything like that. And then, um, Oh, like a month later, a brewery come out, not with the same name, but just another very similar name. Um, and we both had trademarked at a very similar time, but they got their trademark. So we've, I've still got the name trademarked. Um, oh, right. But they, trade, they got their trademark a month before or, mm-hmm. or not even been a week before, um, and it was just not worth going down the track of. Yep. You know, I didn't want to start in the industry with fighting with another brewery about names yeah. and stuff like that when I hadn't yep. even done anything yet. So, um, yep. yeah, that was a bit of a shame, but it was a good thing at the time too because um, I think it was much more for the better with yep. um, <clears throat> with good land. So, yeah, that was 
um, that was testing times, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. we <laughs> we come through the other end and eventually. come up with a new concept and new brand and what we we're going to do. And oh, yeah, it's definitely much more for the for the better. I'm and, glad we, we end up. And what was the sort part. of the the vision that you were working with in terms of Goodland? You know, taking all those experiences from overseas and wrap them up into this new brewery package. What what were you pitching to people? Um, it was kind of hard because it's you know it's one of those things that you sort of like we looked at doing different niches and what which way we were going to go with the brand and and you end up you just want to do everything <laughs> so you can't just decide on <laughs> one thing you know yeah exactly you know and you know it's it's uh because we are a little bit more regional as well um we yeah. sort of had to focus on or, ha- or have a focus on i suppose um very accessible easy drinking beers as yep. part of our yeah, range yeah uh, which is what what we ended up targeting with. We've got three three core range beers: uh, a lager, yep. a pale ale, and a session XBA. So we sort of tried to keep them pretty simple. I mean, the, yep. the pale ale still got a good dose of dry hops. The lagers more on the German Pilsner side of lagers. Oh, nice! Love it. Um, and then the the session XBA is a three point two percent. It's got a lot more hop in it than the pale. Three point two. Why did you yeah, go three point two? Um, don't know. Actually, <laughs> not much difference between uh, three point two and three point five. You save a few bucks. Yeah, uh, just something different. It's got to be a little bit different, I suppose. Nah, um, I think it was at the time. Well, I think it's I think it's the same. Three point two to three point five is one standard drink in a three seventy five mil ends up around about yeah. there. Um, but yep, yeah, just something a little bit different, a little bit lighter. It's yep. not much lighter, but it's just that little bit lighter, and um, yeah. And then, so was was there always like a, a master plan around? So I need to have those core ones accessible for for the masses, but then on top of that, I'm going to layer up limited seasonals, whatever. Was that sort of what you were thinking? Yeah, I remember like looking back, like you look back to sort of 2010 and that sort of thing, and every brewery you went to, it was it was just a cook, but we didn't have the influence of brewing all these different well i mean we did but it wasn't like it is now with you know you can just brew and just keep brewing and there's never ending styles it was you know you had your six core range beers you had your you had your heft you had your wit beer you had your amber ale you had your golden ale and maybe a stout you know and that was it every brew you went into they had those five or six beers yeah you'd have a taste of paddle up in their flights of five or six (laughs) yeah and it was always yeah. the same, and but our times have changed as well. You'd, yeah, the way our uh, the way we've got our brew house set up is that we've got just five fermenters. So our brew house is around twenty five hectolitres. Uh, we've got five fermenters, three single brew, two double brew. Uh, yep. So two two big fifty hex. Um, what we do because there's just the two of us in the brew house. It's myself and my brother Jesse. Oh, cool. uh, then my wife, she, my wife Layla, she runs the bar and manages that side of things, and uh, we're in the brewery and it's a family uh, make, affair. Make beer, yeah, sure is. So that's that's how we work. So yeah, we've got the we batch brew everything. Uh, yep. We we brew solidly for a week, um, which gives us the next sort of two weeks while the beer's fermenting, um, cooling. It gives us those two weeks to 
push our sales, do our distribution because Jesse and I, on the brewing side of things, we we do the brewing, we do the recipe development, the um, distribution, our own sales, our own accounting, our own uh, trademarks, <laughs> our own, wow. yeah, everything. So it's just sort of the two of us. Um, yeah. Uh, and the way it's set up at the moment, it sort of suits – us to be able to have keep our core range and have it always fresh, but then have two new releases, sometimes three new releases every every month. So every cool. month and a half depends on on what we're making and what we're trying to trying to push out. So, so you've got a nice little mix of sort of like small enough to be experimental, but big enough to make some volume. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. And and it gives us this this nice flex where we 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 brew for a week. It gives us two weeks of that, and then we trans. Then it's two weeks of sort of transfer, pack off, can keg, back into brewing, and then you got the two weeks off again. So, yeah, it's not. We don't have a huge amount of fermenters. There's plenty of room there to add a few more, but at the moment, it it just suits us. It suits the brand. It suits us just to be making these sort of one-off small batches and brew it, sell it. All right, what's next? You know, yeah. and and we can How brew. Would you- if someone said to you, like, how would you describe the beers that you make outside of the core range? Yeah, I was trying to find a theme based on what I knew of your your past experiences. I I couldn't find one, but maybe there's something I'm missing. Nah, it's just oh, I've got a list as long as ten arms of beers <laughs> that I want to make. So yeah. um, I just keep yeah cycling through that list of and and the book of of all my um of all my beers and and yeah we'll just sort of keep pushing through and oh, every yeah. now and then like it's always you know we're always trying new beers and we go to beer festivals and other breweries and stuff so you're always trying to develop yeah and, you know yeah. what's new and what's working well, and what's not working well, what what, hops working. whatever you're doing I think it's going pretty well because you won a few AIBA medals earlier in the year. And then a massive friggin' prize at the Indies this month, champion specialty beer for the Gazellig Bourbon Barrel-Aged Stout. That is a massive deal. And then thinking about your experience in um, the Netherlands, is that one of those key links between what you'd learned and then what you've put into practice? Yeah, definitely for that beer, definitely. We, um, nice. Love it. Yeah, it was that was it was a beer that, uh, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't believe we won for a start. Had like we entered uh, only a small, small number of beers into that competition, um, and not. I don't know. It's always. I find that the competitions are good. Whether you know your gold, silver, bronze, whatever, you do get good feedback from yep. the judges as well, um, which is always that's one of the huge benefits. I find that. That's yeah. sort of what you're paying for as well because it's all good yep. and well. You keep making a beer and it sells and people are buying it, but, like, you're always always trying to improve it. And even on our core range, we've not brewed the same beer twice. It's always yep. always been slight tweaks. slight tweaks here and there and, and yeah. you know, from feedback but also from the raw materials and stuff that we use as well. You know, they're always changing season to season. So it's always yeah. something yep. that's got to be changed. But, um yeah, the Gazelle taking out the um, champion award was yeah definitely like um, yeah could not believe it. But yeah, what, what does the name mean? Gazelle, it is it's a yeah. Dutch it's it's actually a Dutch word that has no direct translation. Uh, okay. But the rough translation is cozy. 
So if you were okay. like, you'd use it as an expression of, um, what did you do last night? Oh, I went to Jeff's house and we had a few beers and we had a gazelle time. Like it's, it's uh, there's yeah, no okay, cool. yeah there's there's no direct like you wouldn't say to someone yep. you had a cozy time, but it's just this sense of nice <laughs> feeling and yeah. So that's the name and and what we sort of try and do with our the other imperial stout we released uh, this year as well was Yazika. Um, yep. which was a, a bourbon barrel aged stout that we aged on coffee and vanilla. Oh, nice. And, yeah, yeah nice. the Yazika means just, yeah, sure. That's the translation okay. for that one. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So there is a bit of bit of thought behind the naming. So I, I definitely know there's got to be some some kind of master plan for the can designs because I think they give off a real um, artwork vibe for many of them. It's almost like someone has painted on a, a big square canvas or something and then you've just wrapped it around – the can and then you know superimpose the good um, beer land logo over the top. Is that kind of your vibe you're going for with those? Yeah, exactly. I've got. I said, uh, oh, sorry, a, I said good beer land, didn't I? Good, good beer land, land, land. That good and land in there, it's all the same. <laughs> nah, good land. Yeah. So uh, we all the all our cans or all all the artwork that goes on our cans is. Uh, painted to acrylic on canvas by my sister. She does. Oh, seriously? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. That is awesome. All the artwork. Oh, sorry. All the artwork bar one of the beers uh, yep. we released at the start of this year, which was Annie's Ale, which my three-year-old daughter at the time painted that one. So oh, fuck. This is great. I love <laughs> that, it. That's the artwork that's on Annie's Ale. So she knows that that's her beer, that one. <laughs> but, um, that's no, so all, cool, mate. All, all of it's done, um, everything, like, everything's done 100% hand-painted, and then, yeah, we take photos of it and um, get it onto the cans. So I was I was kind of right. What what's the deal with your sister? Is she like a, a famous artist in the area? Or is that like a job, or she's like no, having a crack? No, she uh, she's actually well, she's um, on maternity leave at the moment. Um, but she's like a you can't take maternity leave from the family. <laughs> no, not from the family. That's for sure. No, she's uh, she's a baker. She's an artist. She's um, yeah, she does 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 the work. So very creative. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I just love that so much. Just the little, as I said to you before we got on here tonight, you know, often with a small or new brewery such as yourselves, there's so much stuff that I have no idea about because nobody's written about it or or deep dived or, or I can't find it or I'm just I'm probably just too lazy as well. But it's, it's those kinds of things that are so awesome that just I, I think that need to be celebrated about this craft beer industry and those stories need to be told and that's just that is one of the things I just love about doing this. I was going to say job. It's not a job. I don't get paid. But doing this thing, it's just like those those little small things that you got there about your, your sister, your daughter, your brother, your wife. Like, that is unreal, mate. That's yeah. so cool. Got to get everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about the, the, the town in general around Traugan? Are they proud of their little local breweries? It's like yeah. a big thing to get down there and, you know, Support you when your new releases come out and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely, and that's a big, uh, a big part. I mean, the, the weekend we opened, we had so many people coming in just saying thank you, thank you. Like it was, it was something that I didn't expect because you know it was something that I always wanted, I suppose, and not yep. you sort of look at it like that, and then you're like, oh, you know, you start working out what beers you're going to make and are people going to drink them and stuff. But then to have people come in, they haven't even tried the beers to just be like. You know, people you've never met. Thank you, thank you. You know, this is what we needed. We've never had anything like this, and and um, yeah. So yeah, big supporters. We've got um, 
uh, like a lot of taps around town. Only a small town. There's only twenty eight thousand. Um, I think we've got like ten taps in town now. We're in oh, all nice. the bottle shops, the cafes, the pubs, the restaurants. Um, it goes that so because you know sometimes. Sometimes as a community brewery, let's call you that, yep. you can go one of two ways. They can either say, yep, I'm going to carry your stuff or no, I'm not because all I'm going to do is send them down to the brewery and take away from my business. It can work both ways, but I'm exactly. glad it's, it's and, working and for you. We, we were very definitely aware of that as well. I mean, we our tap room, uh, we've only just opened and started open Sundays, but we were predominantly just Friday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. Yep. We wanted to sort of concentrate on it more as tasting room i suppose or we yep. come up to buy the one-offs um <clears throat> that sort of thing so definitely you know wary of of that side of things as well that you know you don't want to be taking business from the people that are also giving us business um but we are in an industrial estate like four k's out of town you know we're, we're quite yep. away we're not in town um and i think you know, for the most part, it's just it's it's sort of a good time to be in um, local beer as well. You know, people yeah. are starting, especially with COVID. Um, people are more inclined to get around something that is local. Um, yep, something I agree. Higher local, and and that sort of thing as well. So it's yeah, there's there's a lot sort of that goes on, I suppose, and yeah, the, for the most part, people love it, and even our one-offs. Um, during COVID was nuts. We were like, we would release a beer at 12 o'clock and you'd open the blinds and there'd be a line of, you know, 50 <laughs> people down the road waiting for the, oh, awesome. these beers. And it was, yeah, we hadn't even well, It was COVID. They had fucking and, nothing else to do. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. What else would you do but go to a brewery when they release <laughs> new beer? So, I mean, that even that was kind of cool because at the time you're like, why are these people lining up? But, um, you know, and, yeah, so, but, um, yeah, local's been great, absolutely great, yeah. Awesome. Has yep. there been calls for the uh, the Gazelle to be brewed again? Because I know you don't really rebrew other than your core range um, over and over, but surely it's, it's going to come back out for the, at least for the yeah, locals for run. Yeah. We did actually talk about having it um, as a yearly brew, and we were going to have it and, and brew it, and then we sort of decided – at the time that um, – because we've already got a whole stack of other barrels filled at the moment as well, and we do have a very small brewery, so we don't have a big footprint to, to be storing barrels. But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah okay. we – I think we're going to rebrew it, um, but it probably won't be a release until uh, – where are we? 23, probably till 24. Yeah. So 2024. Um, we probably won't be releasing that one again, but we good we things come will. to those who wait. Exactly, exactly. Yep, nice, so, nice. Yeah. Well, mate, from from a, a long time in the making, this brew to you know a couple of little false starts. It sounds like you've you've really started to hit your straps now. You you got the community behind you. You're obviously producing great liquid. People starting to know who you are. After this, you'll gain millions of followers on your Facebook. <laughs> That's and why I'm on here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so great, mate, and it's just. It's just a wonderful story. I would just encourage you to um, do all you can to share those great stories of family and community um, with not just the people in, in the local area but farther and wider because hopefully they'll have a similar reaction to the cool stuff that you're, you're doing there as I have. As I've been blown away. It's just such a great story that, you know, all these different elements of family in there and I love it, mate. Just awesome yeah, cheers, stuff. Cheers.
and I, and I love it how you know even even this early on some of those experiences that you've you've had uh, in your first two stops at breweries is is coming into um, Goodland straight away with you know things like the Gazelle again the other one that I can't pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, and, and that's the thing you know we we always built the brewery as something that will just be organic you know like we do have a cool. direction for it ish. Um, but, <laughs> ish, I like yeah, that. exactly. How do you put that into a business plan? <laughs> Direction ish. What business plan? <laughs> <laughs> that was nah. going to be one of my early questions, and I got rid of that one. I thought, nah, I feel like got a little bit more driven by the heart. Than yeah. Nah, we did have we had a lot of we had a lot of business plans, and a lot of business plans changed, and yep. you know, and and that's the thing is you've got to have a little bit of a plan and direction of where you're going, or else. Yep you know, what are you doing? And, um, but at the same time, like, I mean, we're pretty flexible and organic in what we do. We sort of let the beard do the talking. And the good thing is with the one-offs and having the tap room is that you get to see what people like and what people dislike and what sells and what doesn't sell. Cause it might be something you might get a gold medal for, but you know, does it mean it's going to sell or are people going to buy it? That doesn't always necessarily mean yeah. that. So, yep. um, there's a lot to sort of still learn for us too. Like we, like um, one big thing that we're pushing at the moment is our is our quality control and getting on top of on top of that and our consistency. Yep. So it's it's all these little things that you just got to keep pushing at and keep trying and 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 because if you don't, you're just sort of going to sit there and wheels are spinning. Mm, but that's great that you say that because that's almost like taking that mindset from back in the day in the the car racing and the engineer side of you and applying that to here in terms of the quality of the beer because if you if you don't have quality beer you don't have much do you exactly exactly that's awesome. and and you need people to keep coming back you know it's, at the end of the day you know it's it's still a it's a brewery and we're making great beer but it's a business that supports my family um, and a few other families and stuff like that. So it's always, yep. you know, that thing's on your mind as well constantly that you're yeah. not just in there to, you know, I'm making this beer and I brewed this beer and we're drinking this and we're going to this beer fest and we're doing that. You know, you've got to be in the right mindset of actually how to run a business as well as, yeah. as making great beer, you know. So, Good yeah. Words. Well, for a bloke that looks about, 20 years old with his first moustache, your baby face, uh, you're very wise beyond your 20 years. Uh, head, headphones on. <laughs> yeah, mate, um, obviously the the experiences that you've had in, you know, getting to here, it was time well spent because you very well thought in terms of how you've gone about this thing. And, uh, yeah, mate, I think you've really set yourself up for something awesome out there in Taralga. Next time I'm just – <laughs> driving past Taralgan. <laughs> make sure I drop in <laughs> from Tasmania to Taralgan. It's only about 20 only hours travel. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, this is great stuff, mate. I'm going to be keeping an eye on you because I like what you're doing. I like the direction you're going. And um, as I said, you've got some great stories to tell. So shout them from the rooftops. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, all the best for the future out there at uh, Goodland. Cheers, Chris. Thanks for that. Absolute pleasure, mate. Cheers. No worries. No worries. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have an interesting beer story and want to be a guest on the Beer Healer interviews, send me a message via my Facebook page. And once again, if you want to help out the show, a simple rate and review on Apple Podcasts or a follow, like or share on any other podcast service will do the trick. I'll catch you soon.